As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day, just get a little bit better every day. Hey, Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. We're back another episode of 1% Better. And another week. It's week 14 in the NFL. I, I can't believe it's week 14. We've made it that far uh, despite the world around us. So that's good. Um, I, I guess barely made it. Some of us. Des Bryant didn't. But, you know, <laughs> there was that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been it's been an interesting year. But anyhow, the Colts, uh, that's why we're here. We're, talk, we're here to talk about the Colts. They're going out west, going to Las Vegas. First time. So that'll be different. This will be interesting. I think, you know, two teams that have some playoff hopes, uh, one probably with bigger hopes than the other. But but uh, an interesting test for the Colts, Zach. Um, you know, what, what, what did we learn this week? Let's talk first about the Colts. What have we learned this week about them? coming out of that Houston game. I, I will say before you go, my perspective on this has kind of changed a little bit. Um, you know, I had a couple listeners say, yeah, you guys were really hard on the Colts on Monday. And I was like, <laughs> all right, that's fine. I, I think that's probably true. It doesn't mean we were wrong, <laughs> but but that's probably true. But I will say this. Um, you know what? They, they did what they had to do. They got a little lucky, and that happens sometimes. But... I actually like them in this game, and I, I think they're fine, I guess is what I'm saying. I, I think they're fine. Uh, what do you think? Where, where are they at? Yeah, the interesting thing we, we learned after we got off the podcast on Monday was Frank Reich basically came out and said, you know what, looking back, I don't like that play call. So, you know, that's yes. interesting, right? I mean, we agree. Came out, and, and I think everyone out there agrees, right? I just didn't like the shotgun, Naheem, fourth and one. It just it just heavy box it just wasn't going to work and um you know frank was like look that's that's on me it's it's my fault um and i think you know that was a little bit of a development i like what you're saying i think they're in good shape you know i really do think the defense will continue to deliver as long as guys like autry and buckner are out there but the big question i have is at left tackle and i'm going to keep harping on it because i just don't trust whoever's in there you know, you're looking at Chad's green starting on Sunday if, if Costanzo does not make a miraculous return, which he wasn't on the practice field Wednesday. So there's no indication he's going to be back. You might get Bobby Okariki back on the other side, but we've talked all week and, and even last week about how important Costanzo is. So he's 
he's really the key here um, for me. And and you look at, you know, this is a big game in the AFC wildcard picture as well because the first tiebreaker is head-to-head. And the Raiders are one game back. I mean, they're 7-5. and five, The Colts are 8-4. and four. So, obviously, you want to look at Tennessee and you want Tennessee to lose and you want to win the division. But um, this is a game that could matter come late December. So, I think the Colts know that. Um, and I think they match up pretty well against the Raiders, despite the Raiders getting some good players back this week, it looks like. Yeah, so... The left tackle situation, okay. So let's talk about that. That that is an inescapable issue. Um, I have no indication that Anthony Costanzo is close. So I think we can go ahead and pencil in Chaz Green for left tackle this week. I mean, there there yeah. is a there is a transaction in process, but I think it's more of a depth move. It sounds like. So yeah, I mean, uh, some people were kind of thrown off by that when when Frank Reich said. Yeah, we're making a move there. Uh, no, he didn't mean they're going to go get, you know, Walter Jones. <laughs> he just meant they're going to find somebody to back up Chaz Green. So that should tell you about the level of player they're talking about. So anyway, there's that. Uh, but look, I, I think I think I said this the other day. I'll say it again. I, I think they can mitigate it. And, and against this Raiders defense, I think you're in better shape to do that. The Raiders pass rush is not very impressive. And and I think when you couple that with the fact that Phillip Rivers is throwing the ball quicker than just about any quarterback out there right now, and then you've got Frank Reich as well and taking it into account with his play calling and understanding that, you know, that he's got to sort of compensate for the lack of his, you know, one of his best offensive linemen, I think they've got a chance to to really make this not a non factor, but not a huge factor in the game. And I think that's really what you want to do. Uh, you you got to you got to coach and play um, around your weaknesses. I mean, look, it's it's kind of like what you said earlier. You know, you don't like Naheem Hines, you know, running a, a power run on fourth and one uh, when you're trying to close out the game. All right, so kind of the same deal here, right? You know, play to your strengths. Well, your strength this week is not left tackle. Okay, not at all. So your left tackle should not be on an island against the top pass rusher on the other side. Uh, when you've got to have, you know, a, a seven-step drop to throw it down the field, you got to figure out a way to do that. If you need to do it, you need to figure out a way to do it where your left tackle is not exposed. So I, I think that's the key. The other thing I would say though is Chaz Green. I don't trust him out there against JJ Watt, and we saw that. Okay, but against some of those other guys in Houston, he was okay. Yeah, you know, I talked to our Houston writer. And in fact, we, we had a good conversation about this. <laughs> Aaron Reese and I, he said he was writing a story about Whitney Merciless and just what a non-factor he is. And his question for me was, who's this left tackle? I was like, oh, well, that's Chaz Green. He's the guy who gave up six sacks in a single game one time. Yeah, uh, he's like not very good. <laughs> right. right. Like He's not very good. He's like, yeah, well, Whitney Merciless couldn't do anything against him. I was like, well, that doesn't say much for him. So I guess what my, what I'm saying is, there was, you know, there's a half empty, half full view of Chaz Green. Look, I am not telling you Chaz Green is the guy. He's the answer. <laughs> I'm not saying he's that. as good as a third stringer is going to be. Like right. they're not good. Like there's a right. reason they're third string. Like and there's a reason you can't find a good left tackle or a right tackle on the street because they don't exist. Like they would have jobs. Like it's a really hard position to find. And right. that's unfortunately where the Colts are at with the Ravens, Achilles, and Costanzo's MCL. Yeah. So. So I see, when I see this, I say, all right, you know what? 
I, I think they can make it work. This is what I'm getting at. So, so we'll see. Uh, now, the the Colts elsewhere they've gotten healthy in some in some important spots. While while the left tackle spot is a is the big question, they've gotten healthy in some other spots that are huge. I mean, uh, really, it's a COVID thing. Really, with getting those defensive linemen back, the Forrest Buckner and Danico Autry. Wow, what a difference! I mean, you yeah. saw it. The, that conversation with <laughs> with uh, DeForest Buckner this week was really funny. You know, I asked him about uh, about you know, some of the things they did on defense this week, which was a lot different than we've seen in the past. Some zone blitzes and uh, lots just blitzes in general, and they they definitely were different. And I, I talked to someone from the organization about that, and and they said, you know, my instincts on that were right. They're definitely uh, they're definitely different. But anyway, my point is. Uh, DeForest Buckner said, you know, it, he got a lot of one-on-one matchups as a result of that. And you saw what he did with it. I mean, he said the first play of the game, he said, oh, I came, I was practically unblocked. He said, and then I forgot I was playing Deshaun Watson. And of course, yeah. he, he rolled out of there. But I guess what I'm saying is, you know, talking about playing to their strengths, they have something that is really going to be, uh, I think, a problem for Derek Carr. That pass rush, that interior pass rush. And now... They seem to have gotten Justin Houston going. Uh, that, I think, has been a long time coming. We talked about that. Uh, I, I like where they're at defensively right now. And and this Oakland offense is so sort of schizo anyway. You know, you don't know yeah, what I mean, you're going to get from these guys. Which basically a Hail Mary to beat the Jets last week, right? I mean, the yes. Jets. A play that was so ridiculous, the defensive coordinator got fired. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I mean, the Jets, who... Are probably headed to 0-16 now. Um, no, you're right. And, and remember this: like they had five sacks on Deshaun Watson. Houston had three, and that's Deshaun Watson, who we saw on Sunday is among the most escapable quarterbacks in the entire league. I mean, this guy is impossible to bring down. How many times did it feel like Darius or Kenny Moore had him, and then Watson escaped? They're not going to see, you know, anybody besides Watson. Besides Watson, the rest of the way, Ben Ben Roethlisberger can't move in the pocket. They've got Minshew in Jacksonville in Week 17, and then they've got Derek Carr this week, who Houston talked about. Justin Houston talked about, like, look, he's going to stay in the pocket. He's going to stay in the pocket. Now, they do play Watson next week as well. They just saw what he can do. But um, flipping the table, the Raiders are bad at defense. What do we know about the Colts this season when they play bad defenses? They eat Almost very well. always, they light them up. Almost always. That's basically the one um, constant we've seen throughout this year is – Against good defenses, Phillip Rivers tends to struggle, and against bad defenses, he tends to light them up. Really bad week against the Browns, comes back, lights up the Bengals, lights up the Lions, struggles against the Ravens, good defense. Um, now he, you know, I don't know how, how to make the, the both of the Titans games because he played really well in one, and then he was pretty bad in the second one. But then again, they didn't have their team against the Titans the second round. Uh, good, you know, good Packers team, but bad Packers defense. And... Um, you know, they put up 34 on them. So um, the Raiders can't stop anyone. If, if they can't on Sunday, I'm going to like Rivers in the offense to be able to put some points up. And if they do, you got to believe the Colts defense will keep it, cons- you know, will keep it, um, will keep them down basically. So we'll see, but it tends to seem like this favors the Colts, the matchup does. Yeah. So let's talk about this Raiders defense. I mean, I, I get that this is an oversimplification, right? But just look at some of their just look at some of the what they've allowed against some of these teams. Okay, first off, 
just go two weeks ago to Atlanta. I know they're on the road. West Coast team going east. It always kind of ends up being a shit show. I get that. 43 points? <laughs> Are you kidding me? How, do you, how did that happen? I, I need to dig into that a little more. And I'm, I'm sorry I haven't had the chance to do that. But how did they allow 43 points to the Falcons? All right? Someone explain that to me. Uh, the week before that, 35 points to KC. All right, I get it. No shame in that. Uh, but there there are also some others. I mean, uh, the Bucks, forty. they put 45 on Las Vegas. Yeah, everyone's do doing for, that, though. Yeah. I mean, they gave up 28 to the Jets. Like, Well, yeah, the Colts exactly. had the Jets beat in the first quarter. And so, you know, that just to me, I think this this smells a little bit from an offensive standpoint for for the Colts. It smells a little bit like the Detroit game. Now, this is a better team than Detroit. Okay, I'm not yeah. suggesting that they're the Detroit Lions. They are not. They're a better team, much better. Uh, they they have a chance to be in the playoffs, and they actually have, I think, a lot better talent. But in terms of defense, uh, the, the Lions it can stop anybody, and and that's kind of been the rate that that's been the Raiders' problem this year. There's no question about that. I mean, their offense is pretty competent, actually. You know, and John Gruden does a good job. I mean, they they have had some lulls, and yeah, I can't quite explain well. it. He can beat you. Um, yeah. We asked, you know, this was a funny scene from the Colts offensive meeting yesterday. Ryan Kelly was like, hey, Philip, you've played these guys a lot, right? And Philip was like, yeah, this is the 29th time in my career I'll be playing the, the Raiders. Like, that's unbelievable. And we talked to Gruden yesterday, and he's like, I mean, he was raving about this guy. This was like full Monday Night Football John Gruden. He was like, this guy will beat you. He'll beat you. He'll play 60 minutes. And he said he does, he does a lot of his uh, – he, he stick, takes your mail before the snap even happens. So – um, I think we're seeing that. I think I think you would agree. Like we're starting to see like Philip Rivers' impact on the game as the season rolls on. Like I, I feel like we're able to see him get the Colts into checks and read the defense and really know what's going to happen. Like he's he's been as cerebral a quarterback um, as I can remember in a while in this town because he's just he sees everything and it's impressive. And he doesn't have all the physical attributes that he probably needs. And he's he's thirty nine now. But his throws have been great. The, the touch throws down the sideline, the outside the hash throws, which we were worried about early in the season, remember. Um, I've just been really impressed with Rivers. And I know he's fighting through the toe, but um, Rivers has made the Colts better the last couple of weeks. There's no doubt. And, and they're not 8-4 and four without the way he's played, for sure. Yeah, you know, it's something that I think to, to double down on here a little bit. You talked about Rivers seeing things and, and just being really cerebral and – and knowing where to go with the football in particular. I think that's a, a really big point. I think we saw that in particular on the the two touchdown throws in Houston. And I, I detailed this in the film review, Good Eye by Shield Kapadia, uh, who is one of our writers out of Philadelphia. He saw he has covered the Eagles for many years, and he saw the the trend in those plays. Uh, it's something, a concept that started uh, with Doug Peterson in Philadelphia. And Frank Reich has brought it here to Indianapolis. It's not new. They've been doing this, but I, I never made the link to the Eagles. I, I wasn't familiar with their offense on that level. And when he explained it to me, I started looking at it, and it's like, whoa, wait a minute. And so anyway, the the, the bottom line is uh, it, the fundamental part of this is you have a mesh. Their mesh plays is what they're called, M-E-S-H, mesh. So what you have is two shallow crossing receivers they run into each other or force the defense to run into someone and someone sort of springs open. That's how you saw T.Y. Hilton wide open on that first crosser where he scored the touchdown. However, 
you know a couple things. Phillip Rivers knew exactly what was going to happen there. Mm-hmm. Now, the defense has to actually screw it up <laughs> as he as he envisions, and they did. So it worked prop- it worked properly. But they also executed in such a way that, that they ensure the defense plays it that way. So that's one thing. And then they run it again later, but run it out of a different formation, different receivers, different routes, but the same concept, two crossing receivers. And guess what? They got all this action in the middle of the field, and I bet Phillip Rivers figured that would happen. And so what happened? The wheel route for Jonathan Taylor is wide open. No one covers him. And yeah, you that was saw a fourth and four, too, remember. It was. And if you watch the play, you can see right away, Phillip Rivers looks immediately at Jonathan Taylor as if he could tell before the snap how the, how the defense was going to play it. And he knew exactly where to go with that ball. I mean, he got the ball to Jonathan so fast that I don't even know if he was at the first down marker when he I, caught the I would, ball. If I'm a quarterback and I see that, I'm I'm getting I'm jacked. Like I'm excited. I'm like, oh, let's snap the ball. I want to get this ball right. to the receiver right away. And the other thing that I noticed about the first one was the rub and how good it was executed, how well it was yes. executed. Right, I believe it was Pascal. It was Trey Burton. It, it was, was excellent. And you have to, it's it's like you you mentioned in the film review. It's like a basketball pick, but you just want to run it just enough to where they're. Almost running into each other, but not quite, right? So right. it's just enough of impediment for the for the defensive player. And T.Y. was wide open. And these aren't just first down conversions. That's the difference. It's They were both touchdowns. And that's good job by Shields to note that. And I thought the film review was great to point those things out. And it's like everybody wants to destroy Frank Reich as a play caller. And it's like, eh, let's look at both sides of the equation. I don't love the fourth and one call by any means. But I also think these plays need to be highlighted as well because those were excellent and you got ty free and you saw what ty did the rest of the game i mean he he took over that game early and you're seeing taylor start to play a lot better now the play calls have a lot to do with that looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I've kind of, I tried to kind of articulate this in my story after the game, uh, or no, actually with the the film review, excuse me, uh, with Frank Reich. What I think you're seeing is a couple things. Number one, I, I actually noted it in both places, so that's why I'm confused. <laughs> but what I what I was trying to say is, look, you can say you disagree with Frank Reich on a particular call here and there, but that doesn't mean the guy is a bad play caller. I mean, every single coach, every single fan base, every Monday morning has the exact same concerns, okay? Trust me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, if you're a fan of any other team, like, have you ever said these things about <laughs> about a team that you like, about the coach of a team that you like? Of course you have, right? Because right. These, this is what happens. However, uh, here's the thing. What really separates coaches is who can win 
and put their posi- put their players in position to win in terms of winning matchups and and overcoming other the other team's strategies. I mean, and Frank Wright consistently does that. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, when around here, you should not be used to receivers running wide open. I certainly am not used to that. All right, it Andrew Luck was not right used away. To that. You remember that touchdown Ty scored in in Washington in Week Two of that season? Yes, and I was like, whoa. That was some creativity on offense I haven't seen in a long time. It jumped out to me right away, and it still does. It still does. Remember the Texans game last year at home where they ran those crossers all day, and those guys were just getting – like that is the kind of stuff where your offense puts their foot on the throat of the defense and keeps them guessing and keeps them pressured, and that's been the difference. That's been a difference under Frank Reich for sure. Yeah, and and that's what I'm saying. So it's like, yeah, I think think where the criticism comes in, and it's fair – where the criticism comes in is, I think he overthinks it sometimes. <laughs> you know, and he's like he's old, he's too smart for his own good, and that's I'll always say that about Frank. But it's it's almost like a backhanded compliment, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, he's so smart that he overthinks it and ends up screwing up. So if that's the worst thing I can say about a guy, I guess it's probably not that bad. So I'm saying, uh, and and I honestly think that's what it is. I mean, it's like with the with the fourth down call that you were talking about with Naheem Hines, you know, line it up with your big horses and just power those guys off the ball. That's what I would say. They didn't do that. And I mean, you got Ryan Kelly, you got Quentin Nelson, let them go eat. Right. And if they, if you don't get it, that's fine. I can live with that. I'm not going to criticize you for that because you want your best guys, you know, you went with your best possibility of getting that first down, but you know, I, I get it. He tried to trick them and it didn't work. So, and the, and the onus is, you know, the interest is higher when it's a fourth and goal, right? It's a fourth yes. and one on the on the five-yard line, right? That's yeah. where more of the eyes will be. But then again, you know, you had a fourth down earlier in the game, a fourth and four, and you got a touchdown out of it. So, you know, that's when your play calls have to be at their best. I think Frank would admit he didn't like the play call, and they need to be better. I don't I don't think they need to get cute with it. I think, like you said, like sometimes it's it's – we're not experts at football by any means, but sometimes it's simple. Like don't run your smallest running back in a – heavy box on a fourth and one. Um, and, and Trey Burton being asked to block on that play is something I didn't love. Yeah, don't not saying ask Trey Burton can't that. block, but that's certainly not his strong suit. Yeah. Um, if you're going to bring especially, over, especially bring that over, sort of block. Doyle over. Yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're not block. talking about, we're not talking about sort of a, a, a block on the perimeter or a seal block or, you know, on, on a linebacker. We're talking about, Hey, go get down there and, and, in the trenches and uh, and be a lead blocker. All right, got it. Yeah, <laughs> your yeah. two hundred and twenty five pound tight end or whatever he is. <laughs> Come on. So yeah. uh, to change gears a little bit, um, I know you've you've done some digging on the playoff scenarios, and I think this is interesting because we're now what well, we got. There's four games left, right? So um, yeah, they're a little clearer, right? The the possibilities they're still endless on some level, but I think we can narrow them down a little bit more. Um, so let me ask you this, if, if you can answer it, um, what do you think, wh- what does a win this week really do? I mean, how, how big is a win this week from the playoff scenario standpoint, do you think? Yeah. So this is a big one because there's two scenarios at play. There's the AFC South where they're tied with the Tex- the Titans and who knows, who knows what could happen with four games left. And then there's a wild card, a win this week against the Raiders, really put you in a good spot in the wild card. I think if the Colts win this week, and barring a three-game losing streak, they're probably in on the wild card at the very least. They can thank the NFL 
owners for expanding the playoff field to seven teams as opposed to six. But a win this week gives you the head-to-head tiebreaker over the Raiders and gives you a two-game lead over the Raiders. So um, that's a good thing. I think the most important things that jumped out at me when I looked at all the different scenarios are this. When you look at the Titans and the AFC South race, both teams have four games left. You know, both teams have one really tough game. The Titans go to Green Bay and the Colts go to Pittsburgh. The games the Colts want the Titans to lose the most are the division games because that's the first tiebreaker. So let's assume the Colts and Titans finish with the same record. The first tiebreaker is division record. So the Titans have an edge in that. They're 3-1 and one in the AFC South. The Colts are 2-2. Two and two. So if the Titans were to drop a game, they have one against the Jaguars this week, and they play Houston in Week 17. The Colts are rooting for AFC South losses for the Titans. Um, but let's say the Colts don't win the, the division, and it goes to the wild card. They're in a really good spot for that. They have lost some head-to-head games against wild card teams like the Ravens, but that's why this week is such an important game. If they can beat the Raiders, that puts them in a good spot. Um, and the other tiebreaker is win percentage among AFC games. So basically your conference record. And the Colts are, I believe, 4-4 four and four in AFC games right now, but they have four AFC games left. So the bottom line is you got to play well in December and you got to hope the Titans lose a couple. And if they do lose a couple division games, that would help you the most. That's the easiest road to the playoffs. So um, the Colts don't want to get they don't want to get looking ahead and, and they need to take care of games in the division because those are the weightiest games right now moving forward. So hopefully that made sense. Um, but at eight and four, the Colts and Titans both have a thought at getting that home playoff game in the playoffs, which is obviously a huge thing for the Colts. Yeah, I I think this game's huge, and we already know that. They're all huge at this point. But I think I think this is one of those games where I think this one and Houston are the are the two games that that maybe are are a little bit I guess my 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 faith in them is a little shaky. I guess is what I'm saying. Um I'm not picking them to lose either game. I'm just saying they could. They absolutely could, right? Um, I, I don't worry so much about Jacksonville in Week 17. I think that I, I'm going to give the Colts enough credit that they won't screw that up. I think. I think. Yeah. Because I think Jacksonville will be on vacation by then. But fine. And and I'm not giving them the Pittsburgh win just because I can't pick the Colts at Pittsburgh because I've seen too many of those games. Yeah. They may well win it, but I ain't picking them. <laughs> okay. So if they win the next two, it's like 97% they're in the playoffs. Yeah. So I'll simplify it. Win, win in Las Vegas, win it against Houston at home, and, and you're just about in. Okay. That's a good way of putting it. And then, you know, this, this game is also big because, you know, you still got the Ravens sort of lurking there too. And I don't know what their remaining schedule looks like, but, uh, but certainly, you know, they have a head to head win. Um, there's a couple other things. I don't know where the Dolphins stand in terms of remaining schedule, but you know, there's, it's a little crowded, but, but I think the Colts have, they've done enough to put themselves in a, a powerful position here. So that's the good thing. I mean, yeah, there's nothing worse than being at this time of year and being on the outside looking in and having all of this pressure on top of you to like win out or have no margin for error, that's a terrible place to be. We've covered teams that have been in that spot, and it just really works out, right? But uh, this is different. They they have, at least in terms of getting to the playoffs, they have somewhat of an upper hand when it comes to the wild card. So that that's a positive. Um, 
the other thing here is for you, you know, I, I think we have touched on this before. I want I want to just circle back to this. Getting to the playoffs, I don't think is a real victory for this team hmm. because I thought that's, it was. That's, that's a good topic. I, I really thought it was like, yeah, you, you better be in the playoffs. <laughs> that's how I felt about it, and I get that COVID changes things this year, and it's not a normal year, and 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 maybe we shouldn't judge people too harshly, but yeah, I think they need to be in the playoffs. Like that's. I thought that was the bare minimum. I mean, I, I don't think. Yeah, I'm going to agree with wrong? you. I don't think just getting in and going somewhere and getting rolled is good enough. I don't think that's going to sit well with anybody. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, great, you got the, you got the junior varsity spot if they get in the seventh seed, <laughs> right? And you went and you proved you weren't you weren't good enough to be in the playoffs. That's not that's not going to sit well with Jim Irsay. Absolutely not. Right. And yeah. look at the teams they could go to though. So there's only one bye now. So that's going to be Kansas City or Pittsburgh. They're both eleven and one. And then you've got Buffalo and Tennessee and Cleveland that are next in line. So let's assume that Cleveland's the first wild card team. They're nine and three right now. The Browns are now. Yeah. They could collapse. They're the Browns. Who knows? But they played pretty well and they beat the Titans last week. So you're looking. If Indy makes one of the wild card spots, they're going to go to Kansas City, Buffalo, or Tennessee. Which one do you like? Which one do you mm. not like? You certainly don't like Kansas City. Mm. Um, and I think the Colts have proved they can play with really good teams. Now, can they do it on the road? I don't know. We'll see. Um, but matchups will be huge because Buffalo, I could see them hanging. Tennessee, that would be fun. They just went down there a couple weeks ago and won by 17. They could do that. Right. Um, but Kansas City or Pittsburgh, I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah. Okay. So I know what I, I know where I would not want to go. <laughs> okay, for right. sure. Kansas City or Pittsburgh, clearly. Buffalo would be an interesting matchup. I think it's a tough game. I, I really do. Uh, I think I th- Buffalo's good. They're good. Yeah. They're good on both sides. I actually think we probably don't give them enough credit. Uh, that's that, and for that reason, because they're really good on offense and defense. Like, I don't think there's one part of that team where you feel like, you know, eh, if we just if we just play good defense, we'll win, right? I don't think you can say that. You got to go score. And you got to stop them too. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't like going to Buffalo. And then also, it's it's going to be January in Buffalo. <laughs> okay. So I get yeah. that. You know, we're How's not Philip Rivers going to play in, in right. that situation. Right. Right. I mean, here's a, a Colts team. You know, built largely on speed. You know, we've covered a couple games in Buffalo. <laughs> the last one not so pretty in terms. It never of goes well. Terrain ever. and weather. Right. So yeah, I don't. I don't love the idea of going to going to Buffalo in January with this Colts team. I think what it mitigates about, their speed. What about a grudge match with Tennessee? Let's do it. Let's do it. I, I think. I don't that think w- that would scare the Colts. Now no. I think the Titans are a good team. I think they are. Sure. But you got to stop Derrick Henry. If you stop Derrick Henry, you beat the Titans. The yeah. Colts proved it in Thursday night a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I, I I would be all for that, and I think the Colts would take that tomorrow. You know, I'm not not saying they'd be arrogant about it. I'm not saying that. I mean, they can't be, right? They just got rolled by Tennessee two weeks ago. And I think that might be a good thing, right? Yeah. I I really do think it it was an eye-opener. But, no, there's no love lost, and and they're not scared of them for sure. So, yeah, I I think that would be must-see TV. There's no question about it. Uh, Anytime you get a third matchup between teams in the playoffs, it's usually pretty fun. So I'd be okay with that. So I guess what I'm saying is I said – I guess what I'm saying is if if I'm the Colts, I want to go to Tennessee. If I'm in the wild card. So we'll see what happens. And may may get their wish. Now, you know? and the Colts might get a home playoff game. They might win the division. They yeah. might finish eleven and five and the Titans might finish ten and six. 
And then you're looking at one of those teams coming to Indy. Maybe the Dolphins come to Indy. I think the Colts would take that every day of oh, the week. Sure. Um, Absolutely. Maybe the Browns come to Indy. You know, maybe the Titans come to Indy. Um, but I, I know, you know, one guy who wants those home playoff games, and that's Jim Mercer. He talks about it a lot. He wants home playoff games. And it's not the same this year, and we all get that. Um, but if you're the Colts and you've got that 39-year-old quarterback, I think that's absolutely something you're looking at is, is not just winning the division for the first time since 2014, but getting a home playoff game and a giving yourself time. a really good chance to, to win that first wild card game. And then, then you go to Kansas City or Pittsburgh probably and see what happens. But uh, that, I think that's where this team you know, needs to put their focus towards. It's been a long time since uh, the Colts had a home playoff game, by the way. What was that, 2014, I believe? Yeah. Bengals, yeah. Yep. if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, <laughs> and, and they played great and won. But, man, that was, that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. That was my first year on the beat. God. That's that's unbelievable. So, yeah, it would it would be certainly a, a long time coming, but but they're going to need help. So Tennessee's going to have to help them if they're going to win this division because unless the Colts are going undefeated the rest of the way, um, and I'd be here for that if they do, but <laughs> I'm not going to predict it. Let's put it that way. So they they're probably going to need some help. So we'll see. How Watch them win in Pittsburgh in Week 16 and then lose to Jacksonville the next oh week. God. The most Colts thing ever if that <laughs> right. happens. So, anyhow, that's the deal. Uh, just kind of setting it up for you. I guess we can talk more specifically about that stuff here in the weeks to come. Uh, and we'll know a little more this weekend uh, after they go to Las Vegas. But uh, th- this game will tell us a little bit more. I think we're getting a little more information week after week after week. Um, I'd say keep an eye on T.Y. Hilton, too, in this game. I, I feel like there's something coming. I feel like it, it is coming. It is here. I think it- it's got the potential to continue, I think. So, uh, and, and Oakland could be a good matchup for him. So keep an eye on that. So that's the deal. I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. Thanks for listening. This is 1% Better.